This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. afternoon. This is Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you have tuned in to the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions and questions about stuff going on in your life. All you need to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, it's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you are in your car driving, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Um, Hope you had a great day in church yesterday. It was Communion Sunday here at Calvary Chapel, and that is always a huge blessing. Uh, We had a great time, and I pray that uh, things uh, also went well for you. Uh, It's just nice to see so many people coming back, so many uh, new people coming to the church. It is is a wonderful, wonderful thing to experience. Uh, As always, on Monday night, we have our men's and women's and youth Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock. Ladies and the men will do separate, of course. Everybody worships together and then separate, and you can bring your junior high and high school age kids. Um, Make it a family affair on Monday night. Let's get to questions that have been sent while we await your phone calls. Here is our first one. It's from our friend Scott from our mobile app. Um, Did Paul ever go to Rome on his own accord as he desired to mention in Romans chapter 15? Uh, How far through Europe did he go? I've heard some people say he went as far as the region of the UK. That was a cough break. (laughs) Sorry. The allergies are getting me a little bit. So my voice is tired from yesterday as well. But please bear with me. Um, Scott, um, there's no way of knowing. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that he went to Scotland or that he went to to Spain. Um, We know he wanted to go to Spain. We know that from the two passages in Romans. Uh, But we don't know uh, if he got even if he ever made it to Spain. There's a lot of speculation that he did on a fourth missionary journey. But there's no historical, certainly no biblical corroboration of that. So the fact is, we just don't know. Um, I've not heard 
uh, as you say, that he went as far as the United Kingdom. Um, but we just don't know. It, it seems to me, just a simple uh, reading of the scriptures, uh, I've done a lot of study on the Apostle Paul's life. It seems to me the only thing that we know for sure, Scott, uh, are the three missionary journeys and uh, when he went to uh, Jerusalem and then uh, was arrested and taken to Rome. Uh, it appears uh, that that's the only time he ever made it to Rome. Um, the speculation is that he was imprisoned in Rome and then after that, he was set free for a time. That would have been the time that he went to Spain. But there's no timeline given, and there's no indication that any of that was the case. I don't believe that. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't believe that he had the opportunity to get to Spain, but that's just my guess. Scott, I wish we knew more, but we simply do not. Here is a question from Paul. He said, could Judas have been saved after betraying Jesus? Um, he could have been saved, um, but um, but he didn't ask for it. And, you know, Paul, I was saying in the invitation that we gave yesterday, uh, I was saying that um, um, all we have to do, the only qualification for being forgiven is to ask. Got to believe in Jesus, and then if you believe in Him, of course you ask for forgiveness, because He alone has the authority to forgive sins. Uh, I personally think that Judas was given several chances um, when he came in the upper room, and, and Jesus said, "One of you will betray me this day." Um, all of the disciples except Judas said, "Is it me?" Judas only wanted to know, "Did you find out it was me?" I think when he came into the garden and kissed Jesus and said, heard Jesus say to him, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? I think that was an opportunity for Judas to have said, I'm sorry. Um, but the one that is to me the most poignant, Paul, is from John chapter 13. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, Judas would have been seated in the place where Jesus would have, have gone first. That means Judas's feet would have been the first feet that Jesus washed. Now, Paul, I, I was sharing this with our church uh, not too long ago. Um, if you've ever been a part of a foot-washing ministry, and the reason we were talking about it was because we have a foot-washing ministry that, that occurs at the, the women's retreat. And um, I was explaining to people what a blessing it was to be involved in that. You know, we don't think of washing feet as a blessing, but it is, it's, it's, I promise you, it's a way to be used by the Lord. Um, Judas would have been first. Jesus would have taken his feet in his hands and washed them with a wet towel, wet cloth. And the whole time you're doing that, and I've washed feet many times, the whole time you're looking into their eyes. I think Jesus was, Jesus was piercing all the way to Judas's heart. Can you imagine? I don't think Judas ever could have made eye contact with him knowing what he'd done. And I think there were three occasions then, especially that one where he could have said, what I've done, I'm sorry. Later he would say, I've betrayed innocent blood but that was in no way repentance that was just Judas being sorry that it didn't work out the way that he wanted it to work out so Paul 
he could have been saved, but but for Judas, for you, for me, all we have to do is ask. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to our first phone call of the week, Horacio in San Marcos. Horacio, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Okay, two questions, Pastor. Okay. On Friday, you mentioned that it's a song you don't allow your uh, you, your song leader to sing. What song is that? Okay, remind me again, the song what? It's a song, you said you don't allow your song leader to lead in the church. And what song is that? Oh, I, oh well, I, th- there's actually a couple that, that we've, um, Horatio, just the lyrics, I don't like them. There's one of them, I don't even know the name of it, but it's Love love Like a Hurricane or something like that. That's the one. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when we, we, I'm really a stickler for the lyrics, making sense being adult in content. And that was such a popular song. You know, all the kids loved it. It was being sung out of Hillsong and, and, and or um, uh, the, the Jesus Culture Group. Um, uh, it's by Stephen Crowder. It's How He Loves is the name of the song. And it, it just uh-huh. is nonsensical. And, and um, um, I, I just, just ask them not to play it. I, I really do not get involved in the, in the worship ministry here, though I am officially the worship leader of the church. Uh, I've got a guy that I love and trust. And um, every once in a while there'll be a song my, my, my eyes will go, what was that? But I want to look at the lyric. And, and, and I think... Uh, that I am aware of. That's the only song I've ever asked him not to repeat. The song okay. also I don't like is Love and Arrogant. Yeah. Next question. Uh. And John 14 talks about Jesus building mansions in heaven. It says the heaven or the new earth you will build our mansions. Well, uh, it is John 14 where Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. The King James translates rooms as mansions. And, and it's a little bit misleading, uh, Horatio, because um, it's not a building. You know, it's not like we're going to go to heaven, we're going to live on a street of gold, and we're going to have a neighborhood, and, and we're going to live in these huge mansions. What Jesus is talking about, the many rooms, it's the body being prepared for us. And Jesus, when he says, I'm going there, and, and uh, he goes there in his glorified, physical, resurrected body, um, we're going to go there because he's prepared the way, and that body like his, John says. We, we don't know what we will be, but we do know this, we will be like him. And, and, and that, that glorified, resurrected body will be waiting for us. Think about it. And, and I don't like to travel, but when I go on an airplane, you're aware when you go in that they're pressurizing the cabin. We can't go 10,000 feet or above in an airplane without the, the, the cabin being pressurized. Imagine going to heaven. Well, this is a body that's built for um, absolute glory. And we'll be able to live in the presence of the Lord. But, but it's not a mansion. We, we're not going to need homes. Um, we, like like we do here on earth. So um, that body will be given to us upon our death or upon the rapture of the church. And when, when either of those happens, and it'll be sooner for some than others, but, but when the rapture of the church happens, we will all receive our glorified bodies. And that's the mansion that King James refers to, the many rooms that uh, Jesus is talking about uh, as translated in the newer version. So uh, it's not a, a, a physical location at all. It's a heavenly body prepared for time with eternity. 
Thank you, Horatio. Appreciate it. Love hearing from you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Let's go to Ronnie on line two in San Antonio. Ronnie, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. How are you doing? Good. Is this my Ronnie? Yes, sir, it is. Okay. Good for you. Thank you for calling. I'm doing well. Just want to tell you, I read the book of Joe finally, and it's a long <laughs> week of reading. Yeah, yes, it is. It can get pretty tedious, but uh, I, I tell you, not only do I love it. Yeah, you remember, Ronnie? You were with us when we taught through Job verse by verse, and boy, what a what an impact the teaching of that book had on our church. So, so I actually love the book. I, I, I certainly don't love what I'm reading about, but um, I love the fact that the question "why" is never answered. It's it's implied yeah, from the not. beginning, but it's never answered. Well, I good for you for reading it. Okay. Um, did the others hear God when he was speaking through the storm to Job, or was Job just hearing it? Yeah, it appears it was just Job hearing it. Um, um, usually when God is speaking in an audible voice, um, the the only the intended target when Paul was uh, or Saul of Tarsus was apprehended on the road to Damascus, uh, Paul heard the words. The other people that were with him, his companions, heard thunder. So we don't know. We're not told. But but almost certainly, uh, Ronnie, it was just a, a, a private conversation between God and Job. And, and I love Job's right. response. He said, "He said, you know, before I'd only heard about you, but now I have seen you. Can you imagine yeah. what that was like? So, yeah. That good for amazing. you. Yeah, good uh, for I you. I'm glad you hung in there. I probably don't okay. have an, an answer to, but um, I don't know. Maybe you will. Okay. Uh, does Satan still have access to the presence of God daily? Yeah, it appears he does. Yeah, that wasn't just a one-off. Um, uh, when the sons of God, and it's a term that's always used to describe angels, are, are gathered, it seems as though Satan has access. There is a time coming uh, when he is going to be cast out of heaven, uh, no longer permitted access, but that time has not yet occurred. So, yeah, he has access. And for me, Ronnie, that's one of the other big questions of Job. Uh, if I was God, and I'm not, but if I was God, I certainly wouldn't give him access to my throne. But uh, yeah, no. we're told we're told that he accuses the brethren night and day before the throne of God. And, and um, um, we know that he is always there doing that work. So one day he's going to be kicked out. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Uh, that was something that he was talking about prophetically, something in the future. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he still has access to the throne of God. That hasn't stopped. Thank you. Okay. It's thank you, Ronnie. Thank God you. bless you. Hey, if you want to really, really add to your pain, why don't you try Leviticus next? <laughs> Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Uh, see, I like that. People reading the Bible. I like that a lot. Uh, let's go to Glenn on line one from San Antonio. Glenn, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. It's, uh, Hi, Glenn. It's just always good. To, it's good to be in your presence. I enjoy uh, Calvary Chapel a whole lot and hearing your word. So I just wanted to call in. Uh, my wife and I, we were talking uh, 
about the progressive movement and progressive Christianity and these buzzwords that we're hearing a lot now. And I just wanted mm-hmm. to call and and uh, out of I guess it's, it's it's you know out of real concern about how uh, true believers, born again Christians, should uh, should stand up to that uh, movement or that those thought processes. In, in our churches today, when we start seeing glimpses of that. And I'd appreciate your thoughts on that. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for your kind words as well. You know, Glenn, um, prog- let me say point blank. Progressive Christians, those who describe themselves as progressive, simply by definition are not Christians at all. They're not born-again believers. They may identify as being Christian, but one of the requirements of being a, a Christian is that you've got to agree with, with our Christ, uh, and, and they simply don't. They embrace uh, immorality of all kinds. Uh, they are, are uh, temporally focused rather than heavenly focused. Um, they, they diminish the value of the Word of God in, in most cases, overwhelmingly most cases, Glenn. Uh, the the uh, progressive those who identify as progressive Christians um, they they don't value the Word of God uh, as being the Word of God at all. Um, they will look at it as as a source of some truth, but but all of them would immediately deny that it's God's word. I, I did a, a I had a question about progressive Christianity a couple three weeks ago, Glenn. I don't remember. Um, exactly where I got the information, but but I went to the, the there's a website that tells you what the Progressive Christian Manifesto is, and it is 100% anti-Christ. And so these men and women, no matter what they say with their lips, are not real believers. Jesus said, if you will confess me before men and believe in your heart that he's coming again, um, we know what the essentials of the historic Christian faith are. They would deny most of those. And the, the progressive Christianity, it's also referred to as woke, W-O-K-E, Christianity. Uh, and it's just a bunch of people that have decided to make peace with the world and and cover it in, in Christianity, um, laying claim to heaven, but at the same time um, uh, factually on their way to hell. And, um, you know, Glenn, it's, it's creeping through the church everywhere. And I'm watching pastors who um, have been considered to be orthodox in their doctrinal positions um, falling for this. And, and, you know, when you see somebody who, who people know the name instantly and you just see them sliding farther and further into what, what, what is liberal Christianity— um, or progressive Christianity, uh, it is really a tragedy. It's really a tragedy. We see a lot of that now with with uh, those who are recording uh, Christian music, Christian artists, because they, they want a platform and they sell their records and their radio or their um, uh, record companies um, are, are, are demanding that they, they sort of pander and they're making those kind of compromises. Uh, we who are born-again believers, we who are convinced that the Bible is literally the Word of God. Uh, we are going to be in the minority. And I believe, Glenn, and, and I have, I'm no authority on this, but I believe with all of my heart that this is 
the very beginning in, in, and I believe we're in full swing of, of what Paul calls the great apostasy or the great falling away that will shortly precede the return of Jesus to the earth. And when I talk about Jesus, he's coming soon, uh, we can make that inference from, from uh, unfulfilled prophecy. However, uh, there is nothing that indicates the kind of urgency um, about the return of Jesus that I see uh, than this falling away. The Bible is simply falling out of favor in a lot of places that have crosses on their churches or or uh, they, they call themselves Christian churches or Christian denominations. So uh, we have to take a stand. And if, we, if we're unwilling to take a stand, then we are not fit for the kingdom of God according to Jesus' own words. So it, it, this is a, a fierce attack from within. I think, as I said, it, it indicates the urgency of the hour. And um, as I hope you've heard me say, Glenn, um, we've got to uh, toughen up because we've got a fight on our hands. And those of us who will stand with and fight for the truth of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead, the only way to heaven, um, we are going to be right in the middle of that fight. We, we need to be ready. So I hope that helps, Glenn. Thank you very, very much. Uh, a caller just called into the studio and asked me to repeat the name of the song you did not want your worship hour to sing again. Uh, it's How He Loves by David Crowder. I call it the hurricane song. Uh, it's just silly, caller. That's all. It's just silly. So it, it's it's a song that was very popular. Uh, it, it was sung, I think, in every church. The first time I heard it, it was... Um, um, anathema to me and and so we we just haven't done it here at Calvary Chapel now I'm not judging people that still sing the song or still use the song for worship but especially in light of Glenn's question a moment ago with with um, um, the woke Christianity progressive Christianity we need to pay attention to the lyrics that we're singing my worship pastor the best in the world by the way and I'm, I'm perfectly objective about that um he knows that he is responsible to make sure that those words are biblical and, and he does a great job. So thanks for calling in, caller. Let's go to Austin now and talk with Robert on line one. Robert, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you, Pastor Ron. Really enjoy your ministry. Um, listen to you every chance I get on the radio when I'm in the truck. So, Thank, thank you, Robert. If you know about and what you think about uh, a pastor named J.D. Farrakh, Oh, I know J.D. Um, yeah, J.D.'s a Calvary Chapel pastor in Hawaii. And uh, I didn't realize how popular he was, how many uh, subscribers and, and, and listeners that he had until he mentioned me on one of his programs. And I was getting information from all over the country. Hey, J.D. talked about you on his program. And, and so uh, I know J.D. Uh, he does not do ministry like I would. But I know J.D., he, he loves Jesus. He is a good guy. He is honest. Uh, he tends uh, to be a little bit uh, toward the conspiracy side of things um, and um, um, is involved um, in things other than simply teaching the word simply, which is a Calvary Chapel staple. But he's a good guy. He's a believer and, uh, and, 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 and a man of real integrity. 
Um, I, I think he is maybe a little bit out there. I think he's lost maybe a tiny bit of focus about what the, the role of a pastor is. Uh, but I can tell you, knowing knowing J.D., that he is doing in good conscience and with a good heart what he believes to be best for the people that he serves. Does that help, Robert? That helps very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very, very much. You know, we're inside a couple of minutes for this half of the program. Let me say this about J.D. and others. It's always dangerous to read the Bible um, with one eye and read the newspapers with the other. And, and um, you know, when you see an overemphasis on prophecy or when you see somebody getting into um, um, theories like um, um, the vaccination is a precursor to the mark of the beast. I got a question I probably won't get to today about that, but but um, um, the coronavirus. There was a, a, a bunch of deniers. Now, JD was not a denier about the coronavirus, but I just think we have to be really careful. Our words carry weight, and we're supposedly representing Jesus. But um, JD, because I know him. I can tell you that his heart is is really pure and he's doing what he thinks is best for the people that God has asked him to minister to. I just think we need to be a lot more careful about the things that come out of our mouths and we need to be able to focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing. And of course, that main thing is Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead for the remission of sins. Thank you, Robert, for the call. We have 30 minutes left in our Monday show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. You've tuned in to The Word to Stand Up for Life on AM630 The Word. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday program, our new week that begins in May. This is our first program in May as well. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, our first question this half is anonymous. And he or she writes, I know the Catholic Church is false, but are there Catholics who really do trust in Christ alone for salvation? Um, anonymous, uh, before I answer your question, let me say this for the, for the benefit of the whole audience. Every time I answer a Catholic Church question, I get blasted with emails, and nobody actually listens to what I say. I've been accused recently of being everything but Christian because I'm bashing the Catholic Church. I'm not. I'm just telling you that doctrinally the positions they take are wrong. The doctrine of the Catholic Church is false doctrine. They've got the same Father, the same Son, the same Holy Spirit. And and uh, beyond that, all of the doctrinal theology is wrong. I don't, not some of it or most of it, all of it is wrong. Now, because they've got the same Father, the same Son, the same Holy Spirit, there are real Catholics who are saved. 
It's just harder to be saved in a church that doesn't teach that you must be born again, a church that that equates being born again with with, uh, baptizing or christening your baby uh, as an infant. Uh, And that's just false and misleading. So the doctrine of the Catholic Church is false. But yes, Anonymous, there are Catholics who really do trust in Christ alone for salvation. Um, they they still are hung up in tradition. They're still hung up, some of them, in, in uh, well, I was born Catholic. I'm going to die Catholic. But, but Jesus has a remnant everywhere. Uh, we're going to be starting teaching the, the book of Revelation on um, uh, two weeks from, uh, from last Friday. And um, uh, when we do that, you know, we're going to get to the church at Thyatira, which talks about... That the applies specifically to the the period when the Catholic Church, uh, three thirteen A.D. and forward, uh, came into prominence. Um, but yes, Catholics who are born again, and I've met some. Um, uh, when I would ask them, well, okay, so why are you in that church? I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You know this stuff isn't, and it's just more a matter of tradition. So uh, there are always there's there's always a remnant. Uh, that God has, um, but uh, most Catholics who get saved um, end up going to a church that teaches the Bible. So it's really important. Uh, I do, my producer just said we're going to start Revelation on Friday, May 21st. So it's three weeks from last Friday instead. So Anonymous, that's the answer to your question. For the rest of you, please listen to what I say. Don't just automatically disqualify me because you happen to be a Catholic and you think I'm bashing Catholics. I am not bashing Catholics at all. Cindy is on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I do have a question, but it doesn't have to do with the Bible. I wanted to know if you and Mama Paula are staying in your new house. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, yeah. I think you probably tell me from my voice we are. Uh, yeah, we stayed. Our first night in the new house was Friday, uh, and things are in a general state of upset because the the uh, the remodeling is not done yet but yes we are staying there and hopefully all of that stuff is going to be done by the end of the week and we can sort of get to normal not sleeping too well yet and poor Paula she is so busy and so tired um so I'd appreciate your prayers for her but yeah we we are staying in the new house and we turned over our house of 24 years to the person that we sold it to and he's excited, so we're, we're, we're happy. But we had to get out and do it, but we are now there. Well, the reason I asked is because I was out doing some errands today, and I drove past your new house, and I noticed that there was a lot of construction. Yeah. And it made me think about how at your old place, before that, I won't say the name of the store, but before that big old bright, ugly sign came up, I remember when that wasn't there, and I remember you talking about you not wanting to see that great big sign out your window, you know, and then you suffered through that for years. And then it made me think about how um, how God does things to us that, you know, kind of hit us off kelter for a little bit. Like when we lost electricity, that was a really hard week. That, that was yeah, hard was. to go through. But then... When the electricity came back on, I was so grateful that Thursday morning I could make coffee and I could have hot water and this and that. And so I just wanted to encourage you for this, <laughs> this 
development construction that's going on to hang in there because pretty soon it's going to be done. And once it is done, you're going to love that house a whole lot more than if you didn't have to go through that little bit of inconvenience. Because every morning when I wake up and the electricity is on still, I'm still really thankful. <laughs> hang in yeah, there because... I think- Thank you, Cindy. Huh? I think I think we all get a little bit of PTSD when when the electricity goes out or the lights dim for a moment because that that was frightening. Is you're right. Thank you, Cindy. You know uh, I don't prefer to talk about our personal business, but Cindy brought it up. Um, this has been you know people say moving is really stressful and. Uh, Paula, actually, she makes it so easy for me that it's not stressful. But this really has been. Uh, I'm a I'm a kind of a routine person, and we have no routine that works while while the uh, remodeling is being completed in our new home. Uh, but but you know we loved our old house. We 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 were so blessed there. Um, Kitty Hawk is the street that backs up our old house, right across from a, a huge HEB. And when we moved there, there was no HEB. It was just quiet and dark. And now that street is so loud and ambulances and that big red light she was talking about was the HEB sign that that lights up our house at night as red. But you know what? We were grateful for that house every minute, every minute that we were there. And um, we love the new house. Paula is just so thrilled. And, and that's all that important for me. So I appreciate the thought, Cindy. Let's go to Matthew on line one from San Antonio. Matthew, thank you for calling. You're on the air. How are you doing, Pastor Ron? I'm doing well, uh, thanks. Well, I'll try to be brief, Pastor Ron. I don't know if you remember me, but I've called in a couple times over the past few months uh, talking about suicide. I do. And I just, I, well, <laughs> that's good. Um, the reason I'm calling today, sir, is because I really just want to thank you. Um, I've been listening to your show. I could see some other people are throwing other things out there, so I figured that, that maybe it's a good time to call. I just want to say thank you because, I'll be honest, I didn't read all the Bible verses you mentioned, but if one thing you could speak to, and, I'll, and I can let you go after I say it, but uh, one thing that really helped me after I started reading those verses is another verse, and I'd be lying if I knew what I said it was, but, you know, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Yep. And yep. when you told me that I needed, when you told me that I needed to toughen up, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. At first, it kind of hurt. Like, you know, you're right. I shouldn't be dealing with this. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, why has it been so long? Or and you know, there was another gentleman that called in after to encourage me, and that yep. was just huge. I, I thought about that the rest of the day. <laughs> but I guess, it, I guess in terms, well, I thought about both of what y'all said. Let me, let me be clear. But uh, in terms of gaining the whole world, I, I guess I never reasoned that part. You know. And I'll be honest, mm-hmm. in my professional life, I'm an engineer, so I'm all about data, right? Yeah. And I guess I never thought I never thought about it that way. Like, well, if if I do, if I see myself as some, or I did, I, my wife says I shouldn't say this anymore. If I did see myself as some type of burden, or you know, maybe the world would you know brighten up. Is that I don't know if that makes sense. If if I took my own life, then what would happen to my soul? And all these years, I never really think about it that way. I, you know. My wife would get irritated, like, oh, well, you're trying to elevate yourself. And, and I guess I don't see it that way. I just saw myself almost as like a, a virus, like, well, nobody wants to be sick, right? So uh, anyway, I guess that's what I saw on my family and everybody else. And But after, you know, marinating in it and reading the verse that you mentioned, I just, again, I want to say thank you. And in terms of if you anything, words you might have to say about 
gaining the world and losing your soul. That really yeah. moved me, and I appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you, Matthew, and God bless you. I am so grateful um, that you called and let us know you're doing okay. Uh, we had so many calls and emails uh, after the day that you called, and then somebody called right after you and, and uh, blessed so many people. Um, so thank you for letting us know that, that all is well. You, you learned a very valuable lesson there, Matthew. Um, uh, you, you use the word marinating. I like that. Um, when you're marinating in the Word of God and the promises of God, um, it's, it's difficult to marinate in the sorrows of life. I mean, it just elevates you. You know, when, when we're transformed by the renewing or new thinking of our mind, according to Paul in Romans 12, um, um, y- your mind is where it needs to be, and the enemy no longer has that access. And since he's going to be relentless, he's never going to stop bugging you. Uh, now you've learned that the antidote to the enemy's lies is what is written in the Word of God. And as we talked about on another occasion, Matthew, um, when um, uh, Jesus was uh, tempted directly by Satan himself, he responded with, it is written three separate times. And um, that's it was the answer for Jesus. It's the answer for you and for me as well. So um, thank you for that and for the, for the update. I also want to say this. When I said to toughen up, um, I, 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 and I, I'm sure I prefaced it with this. I didn't mean that in a personal way or a way to attack you. Um, but, but we've got to be prepared for the attacks of the enemy. We've got to be tougher as Christians. Uh, the call that we had from Glenn earlier about the progressive Christianity, um, we've got to be tougher. We've got to be less concerned about what people in this world think than what Jesus thinks. And if we want Jesus to stand beside us and fight Matthew, then we've got to be on his side. We've got to take a stand with him and for him. And when we do that, the power of the Spirit comes upon us. And usually when the enemy is pounding, especially with suicidal thoughts, he's taking opportunities of times when we're so focused on our own problems or focused on how we feel instead of being focused on what God has done. So I am so grateful that you're doing well, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you called and let us know. Matthew, God bless you. Nobody wants to lose their soul. The, the world and everything that it has in it isn't worth taking the risk. I also told you, and this will be my final thought, Matthew, I told you that as a Christian, and I have no doubt that you are, none whatsoever. The enemy may lie to you, but I have no doubt. As a Christian, we have no right to take our life. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And he said in his word that we're not our own, we're bought with the price. So we report to him. And he is the author of life, and he's the only one that, that can end life. So what we know is that we have no right. And as believers, we got to just understand that when the lies from the enemy come about hurting ourselves, well, that's designed to destroy what God has created. So thanks, Matthew. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to line two and talk with Jeff. Jeff, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Well, that's a that's quite a, a call to to, yes, it to is. follow. Yeah, it is. I'm grateful to hear from him, Matthew. And yes, I, 
I've prayed for you as well, too, and, and I know many people have prayed for you, and that That's is great. really awesome. Um, two things, Pastor. Um, this is kind of a personal question. Did you did you get to your walk this morning on your new route? Well, I, I did. I ran, and, and it was uh, a little bit dicey. It wasn't... Um, it was trafficy and not quite as flat as I need with my vision issues. But yeah, we I did go out and and actually Paul and I did chapel this morning here at the academy. So uh, I actually ran to church this morning from from our new home. Wow. So yes, wow, that's awesome. Well, um, we'll be praying for your transition. Um, I'm, I have a question. I want to follow up on on one of Pastor Ken's teachings from Acts. And uh, been, I've been really involved in that, uh, listening to it. And uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about uh, the context of uh, Acts 2.42 and 47, how, how, you know, modern churches have really, they're not built on that, on the true biblical model of, of, uh, of that, uh, of, those, of those verses. Um, I know that uh, Pastor Ken talked about the four pillars of those verses being the you know uh, being devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer, but we we've really we've lost the context of this verse and we forget you know who those people were, uh, the Jews that were being rejected and cut off from from their own families and being oppressed mm-hmm. by the Romans and everything, and I wonder if you would just um, reflect on on you know our level of comfort in our churches and our society now who are, you know, focused on uh, growth methods and things like that and how we need to get back to the reality of what uh, that church is. And I'll take your uh, comments offline. Thank you. Love you. Thank thank you, Jeff. God bless. I appreciate your call. You know, I I could do three hours of Bible study on these few verses um, the important thing to understand is that this is the model that was given to us. This is what church is supposed to be. Um, sort of related, I was I was uh, sent a question today about a church that I really wasn't very familiar with, a church in Dallas that's having some, some leadership issues. And so somebody sent me a question. I was doing a little bit of research. And I was just thinking the whole time that I was I was investigating kind of what was going on there, all I could think about was, all they had to do was follow the model of Acts chapter 2. This is the way every church should look. When when Jesus gives you a model, my brother used to build model airplanes and model ships and model everything. I never had the patience to do it, but, but he'd love it. And he would meticulously go over the instructions. Well, Jesus gave us only these instructions. The primary focus of church is the teaching of the apostles, the apostles' doctrine. That needs to be our focus. The word devoted, they devoted themselves to. In all of these passages, in, in, in all of Pastor Ken's pillars, um, the, the, the devoted to all of those things, what that means is, is, is clinging to, not letting go of. And when the early church established the, the method of worship, this is the way it needs to be done, and this then ought to be our priority. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. That's teaching. We teach here at Calvary Chapel the Bible. Now, uh, not everybody does it the way we do, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, but 
we got to teach the Bible, not preach it, not tell sermons about it, but teach the Bible. Imagine how important it was to have doctrinal soundness in the first century church when, in fact, those people were risking their lives. You can imagine being a young Christian. Remember, the church was entirely Jewish. And when you told your family that you'd found Jesus Christ or that you converted to Christianity, uh, they would, they would, you'd be as dead to them. They actually held funerals for those family members who converted to Christianity. That they, they just no longer belong. So now they were out there in the world and they were on their own. And the only way that you can stand in that kind of hardship is by holding on to sound doctrine. And so the early church, as a priority, focused on teaching the Bible. Now, maybe there's more entertaining ways of, of doing church. Maybe you can tell stories or maybe you can have plays or, you know, light shows and great music. Who knows? But, but the focus is the apostles' teaching. The second pillar was the fellowship. That's why people struggled so mightily during the pandemic when churches closed down. Fellowship matters, and it matters more um, in difficult times than at any time, but it's always important. And so when we come to church, our focus is fellowshipping with one another with what we have learned from the, 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 the doctrine of the apostles. And we need one another. You know, we like to think in this culture, well, I can watch online. No, you, you, I mean, obviously you can do it, but, but you're not, that's not church. You're not using your gifts to minister to others, nor are you allowing others to use their gifts to minister to you. Fellowship matters a great deal. Also to the breaking of bread. Now, that's a reference not just to communion. I think it includes communion, but um, communion, of course, remembering the death and the suffering of Christ. But, But also getting together. That's part of the fellowship. Eating with one another. We do that real well here at Calvary Chapel, by the way. But that's what the gathering together of the saints is to be about. And then finally to prayer. Jesus um, attacked the, 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 the religious leaders. You, you've made my father's house uh, supposedly a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. And so we've got to be men and women who pray. Now, here's what's really important about this, Jeff is the result when we do church that way. The next verse says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Power was evident. Now please note that the power, the miraculous signs were done by the apostles, not just by everybody. We live in a church culture that is chasing miracles and signs and wonders, but that's not what happens. Everyone was filled with awe, the awe of God and his power and his love. And then the result was power that came out of that ministry. And then the next result was that the believers were together and had everything in common. We know that Barnabas would come in and dump a bunch of money from the sale of land at the feet of the apostles and said, this is now yours to use for the glory of God. We had everything in common. Jesus said, I pray that they'll be one as you and I, Father, are one. And in the first century church, when church was done that way, then they did have everything in common. Nobody had a need that went unmet because they 
would pool things together. That's not a comment, by the way, in an economy. People say, well, the church is supposed to be socialist. No, that's a commentary on love. And then it says every day, not once a week or twice a week, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. But they also met in homes together. And in spite of the persecution, they ate, it says, with glad and sincere hearts. And then I think the most amazing thing in all, and of all, Jeff, as a result, was they enjoyed the favor of all the people. In other words, the people that weren't believers looked at those who were and said, well, you know, we may not believe what they believe, but boy, they love one another. And then it says, and Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So see, that's, that's, that's the model for church. That's a church growth plan. Uh, that's the way we take care of the people who are in the church. So that's the model for church that we need to pay attention to. Thank you for that one, Jeff. I appreciate it very, very much. Here is our last question for today. Chuck says, will we still be married to our spouses in heaven? Chuck, sadly, now remember, I'm married to Paula. I am the most blessed of all men, and I'm not going to be married to her in heaven. Now, God's going to make her hang out with me. I make sure she knows that. I remind her of that all the time. But no, we're both going to be married to Jesus. Now, the good news, uh, and as a new believer, that was really a bummer. You know, I messed up my whole life, my whole marriage. And then I, I fell in love with Jesus, and suddenly I had this beautiful woman that I was madly in love with, and we were starting to serve the Lord together. And I remember reading that we wouldn't be married in heaven. I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. That's not fair. Um, but but the love that we'll have for one another will be infinitely greater, infinitely more pure than anything that we can imagine even now. Now, that's hard for me to imagine now because I love her so much, but uh, everything will be infinitely better in heaven. So we won't be married to our spouses in heaven but remember, we will be with the people that we were with here. And Paula is going to have to hang around with me no matter if she tries to get away. I'm not going to let her. But, but yeah, we're going to be together and we're going to love one another at a depth that we can't even possibly begin to imagine now. So, Chuck, if you're as bummed out as I was when I read that the first time, um, understand that everything in heaven, including your marriage, even though Technically, you won't be married to each other. Everything, your relationship will be infinitely better than anything that you could possibly have imagined. Good question. Let me see. Well, I've got one minute, not enough time to answer questions. So let me just remind you that tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we have our men's and women's Bible studies. Pastor Ken will be teaching the men. His wife, May, will be doing the ladies' study. And then we have our youth pastor's uh, Chris and Matthew, who will be teaching uh, the junior high and high school age children. So it's a wonderful night to come together as a family. Smaller groups, there's great conversation. Questions can be asked. It's, it's a, a, a much more intimate time. Hey, thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. 
The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. 